if it's all right with you, and even if it's not all right with you, I'm going to complain. I don't like the way things are. I hate it. I'm tired of it. I'm frustrated. You name it. I got it. I want to go to the doctor again and for them to ask me if I'm depressed. And I say, how dare you? <laughs> I'm tired of this business. You tired of this business? You bet. I kind of like seeing your whole faces. I kind of like seeing folks. If you're at home and you're watching this, I hope you're tired of it. I'm tired of it. I want you here. I want to be able to be here. I want us to share the time together. I want us to be Christians that can embrace. I want to be able to shake a hand without being worried. I want to be able to go places and not worry that the person passing by me might be passing along something to me. I want to sit down and have Thanksgiving dinner with a family and not sit there hearing that voice in the back of my head saying, we can't eat together. I'm tired of it. That's reality. But also I know where we are. And my t being tired of it or frustrated with it, angry about it or anything else, and get a change, what's there? I believe in God and I trust in God and I believe that God has answers. I believe that whatever will come, will come and it'll come in its time and it will be due. I get frustrated with government. I'm not anti-government by any means, but I get frustrated when they say, yeah, we've got a vaccine, but you can't have it till next year sometime in the middle of the year. Why not? I don't have the answer. I don't know. Somebody at science is going to tell me and say, well, here's what it is, and manufacture and all of that, getting it distributed. And I'm thinking, well, get off your back feet and get busy then. Come on. I think there are things that are important in life, and I believe the gospel is important. I believe we've got to share the gospel with ourselves and with others. I believe we've got to know it. We've got to share it with our families. I believe there's an importance and an emphasis that needs to be on this in our lives. I think it needs to stand out that we need to recognize we've got something big. And I believe that's true of other things, maybe to a lesser degree. Maybe when we talk about a pandemic, that's the biggest thing in the news. But I know that the gospel is even bigger because the, the, the effects of it are eternal. But that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. I just wanted to complain for a little while. And Paula won't let me do it at home, so I'm going to come down here and complain. Because what are you going to do about it? Just we are where we are, aren't we? And there are things I cannot change and things that I'm going to pray about and things I'm going to hope for and so forth. But you know what? I say all of that and all the negativity that's involved in that. Now you're all depressed, aren't you? All the negativity in that, it's Thanksgiving. In my mind, the biggest event of the year. Wow. I've told you stories about growing up and I love Thanksgiving and the music that my dad would put on, the old hi-fi, and let somebody explain to you what that is. My dad would put on the hi-fi and play the music and the smells and everything around the house and the family and kind of the warmth and the friends that would come and go and so forth, and it was a very special time. I loved it. Of course, I loved to eat, and so that has a lot to do with it. But then I look at this year and I look at the things that are going on and here we are in the midst of this and keep getting those reminders. Be careful, watch yourself, distance, go outside and have your Thanksgiving dinner and so forth like that and all these things. And I keep thinking, something's not right here. What a time to give thanks. That's what I call the lesson. What a time to give thanks. I want to read to you from Ecclesiastes 3. 
Some thoughts came to mind. That's a wonderful passage, Ecclesiastes 3, when it recognizes a time for everything. We're reminded that all in God's time and all these things and all the abundance that's in life, and we don't necessarily like all the things that are listed there, but we recognize, yes, there's a time for all of these things, whether I want it to be that way or not, but there it is, and we understand in God's plan. But look down at verse 9. We often stop at verse 8. Verse 9 through 14 we're not going to read the 15th verse, but we're going to go down through 14. What profit? What profit, the writer says, has the worker from that in which he labors? I've seen the God-given task which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever, and nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it, that men should fear before him. You know, that is a powerful, powerful thought. We wander into our works, and we do the things that we do, and we, we wonder, well, what does this all mean? What does it come to? What's the purpose in this? And these days we wonder, well, am I accomplishing anything, and is anything good coming out of this at all? And then the writer reminds us, you know, God gives us opportunity it's a gift. It's a gift. And while we don't see the beginning or the end of things, we know we are in process. It struck me this week, and there's a line in here, and let me, before I get fully into this, where he says, I know whatever God does, it shall be forever, and nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God, what God does, he does from the beginning end. Just think about that. We don't know the beginning or the end of what God has done. God is in process with us in time. It's not over. It's not beginning. It's in process. And just because we're in process doesn't make it bad. And in the process, there are always ups and downs, ins and outs. There are always things that are going on. And if you look at the creation of man and you look at everything that's gone on in humanity and all of history that we are able to see and record and, and to tell about, we recognize there have been good and there've been, there's been bad and there's... Still, God and humanity. So here we are at Thanksgiving. And the word Thanksgiving conjures certain images, I said, in my own mind, it does. Maybe yours includes some pilgrims. I opened a little drawer this morning, and there are some plaster pilgrims and a plaster turkey that have been in my family for ages actually since I was in Cub Scouts. I painted the turkey, but I didn't have time to paint the pilgrims in Cub Scouts. And so those poor pilgrims have been white with no paint on them for going on six decades. And my mother never would let me paint it, but every year she set them out on the table, and there's this turkey painted in all these weird colors, but... That's what I did with it when I was about six or seven years old. Anyway, there are certain images that come to mind. They may include those pilgrims. 
We may think about those who survived a tough time settling into the new land, the hands that were extended to them as the legend and the story tells. Even more, we may tend to think of that dinner that often comes on that certain Thursday every year. Maybe our pictures include the families gathering together and, and getting together and all the luscious sounds and smells and the joyous talking and so forth. Maybe it is all of that in a warm, comfortable image of satisfaction and recognition of abundance in our lives. Maybe there's even a little bit of football thrown into the mix. Maybe it's a little bit like the Norman Rockwell paintings. Maybe that idea of abundance and family and thanks ties into it in our minds and that all of that imagery comes into view. But honestly, the reality often falls short of the image, doesn't it? Often it falls short of the fantasy that we have in mind. There may be more family drama and stress and challenge during this time of year than there is at just about any other time of the year, but I don't want to put a downer on it because we like the images that we have of that. But as I said a while ago, then we are where we are. And maybe it's a little bit hard for us to not only this week or this time be thankful, maybe we have a little more trouble getting into an attitude of thankfulness right now than we have for quite some time. Maybe I'm speaking only for myself, but maybe you too. For I think we look around us and we see so many problems and so few elements of life that are as we would really, really want them to be. Like I said, we're far more fatigued and frustrated, I think, right now than we are thankful for it may seem that the very things for which we would be thankful are not quite as available to us and then this week I was thinking about the old story the old story of World War One for a ceasefire took place in World War I on Christmas Eve, 1917, I believe. If I got the wrong year, but I, I think that was right. And there were those soldiers who had spent so much time there on those fields, in those trenches, in those muddy, dirty trenches, moving a little bit this way and that, shooting back and forth, soldiers there dying, dealing with the struggles being far from home, and there they are. And finally the word comes along, there will be a Christmas ceasefire. And on that Christmas Eve, the soldiers were still in their trenches, still staying there, and then the sound began to come. As some began to sing, Silent Night. And before long, there were German soldiers and English-speaking soldiers singing the very same song, coming out of their trenches, meeting together, grasping hands, greeting one another, embracing in a way, and sharing what little they had for a little while. Until on de December 26th, and the war returned. even in the midst of a holocaustic event 
in the midst of a truly death pandemic for soldiers in the fields and in the muddy, muddy trenches of the war, they still found a reason to give thanks. The writer tells us there is labor and there is profit. We work hard and we want to get something out of it. Hard work is supposed to bring positive results. But if you read what Solomon is writing throughout this, he talks about, yes, we work and we labor, and then it falls into somebody else's hands. We live, we die, and it's over. But, you know, we, we look at it and we think, if, if you work hard, you're supposed to have positive results. If you work at a job, you expect to get that paycheck that goes along with it. Or the student, if the student is engaged in academics and is studying hard, I believe if I study hard and I work hard, then you'll earn that degree or that grade and be approved in that regard. And if you train hard as an athlete or just an individual in a, a particular profession, if you train hard, you're going to succeed in your sport or your profession and have a degree of success that comes from it. Hard work is supposed to bring positive results, and we look for that. And when those positive results are there or something interferes with it and throws that train off its tracks... We wonder what in the world happened? Why in the world aren't things going the way they're supposed to go? And we're reminded. And we are reminded God set us to work. Adam was even given tasks at the time he was alive and in the garden to tend to things that were there. I don't know exactly what that was. We talked about that in our class. But there were benefits, and there were consequences. Depending on what you do or you don't do, there are benefits and there are consequences, and we see that from Adam and Eve and right down through history, and we see it in our own lives, and we recognize the benefits and the consequences, generally speaking, along the way. And we're reminded, as Paul even writes to the church in Thessalonica about some of the people who aren't really doing what they're supposed to do, and he says, you know, if they want to eat, they better get to work. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. If you don't work, you don't get to eat. That's exactly what he says. And the same is true of spiritual service, I think. Even worship is tied to benefits and consequences in our lives. As we think about Cain and Abel and bringing their offerings to the Lord and first recognition we really have of an ordered or organized type of worship that's stated in the Bible and one accepted and one is not accepted benefits and consequences involved in that and Jesus even addresses quoting from Isaiah in Matthew 15 when he talks about the things that they were placing on themselves and on one another not Jesus but the people around him and he said this people they're honoring me with their mouths and their lips they praise me but their hearts are far from me they teach for commandments the doctrines of men they're not really they're not really offering spiritual service they're just trying to bake a cake and see if it tastes good but whether it's spiritual service or physical service we no one wants to see 
efforts wasted. We don't want to feel like we've wasted efforts. If we came in here to worship God in an assembly this morning, we don't want our efforts wasted. If we bow in our prayers at home, we don't want to feel like our efforts are wasted. If we studied our Bibles and we think on God's Word, if we choose good things and avoid bad things in our lives, we don't want to feel that our efforts are wasted. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, I want you to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He goes on to say, because I don't want to feel like my efforts were wasted on your account in verse 16 we want labor and profit and the writer reminds us here in Ecclesiastes we should just rejoice and do the good things in life he's going to hit it harder as he moves along throughout the book but he reminds us we need to just Rejoice and do the good things in life. It cannot be limited to the obvious and the immediate. We can't get lost in the moment's struggles and pandemic. We can't get lost so that we get so upset that we lose sight of who and whose we are throughout. Consider Jesus who went about doing good, Peter says in Acts 10 and verse 30. Consider Jesus who knows what's out in front of him but continues to reach out to heal, to teach, to care for people. Remember as those men came to him from John the Baptist said, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. He knows what's coming, but he continues to do it. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that even on the cross, his words, his words of blessing are there. Father, forgive them. For he is taught. It's about even doing good to your enemies, Matthew 5. It's easy to love those who love you. It's easy to salute those who salute you. Even the publicans, the sinners, the, the, the unrighteous do that kind of thing. He said, but I tell you, love your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you. It's about doing good to your enemies, verse 43 and following in that great passage. It's a great reminder and one that we need to read from time to time because it, it's a bit challenging sometimes to do that. But we need to realize that sometimes the blessing of work is what it does for others, not what we see coming back necessarily to us. Let's not be weary in well-doing, for we shall reap in due time if we don't faint, Paul writes to the church in Galatia. The blessing of work is what it does for others not what we immediately see for ourselves. For the opportunity is the gift of God. Work may not always seem like it's a gift, but that's what the writer here calls it. It may not seem like a gift, but it is the opportunity. It is the opportunity to accomplish. And isn't that what Thanksgiving really is? It's a recognition of accomplishment. We have gotten this far. And so let me offer to you just a thought or two. With all of that in mind, now that you're sitting there going, man, wow, this heavy, where we go, what do we do? <laughs> Feeling guilty that you've been griping or somebody was griping at the beginning of the sermon. I don't know who it was. But it is tough to be thankful in challenging times, but we need to be thankful in challenging times because not all times are good times 
And we may think, we may think in our minds that we are only going to have good times once we are in the Lord. Was it Peter says in Acts 3 and verse 19 that seasons of refreshing may come to you. I want to be in the Lord because I want everything good in my life. I want everything to be blessed. I want to have this special thing in my life. I want everything to be good in my life. And we may think that's the way it is. But it wasn't very long till we find Peter and John. Where are they? They're taken into custody. They're accused. They're brought before council. Very guys that have put Jesus to death. Brought before these people, told you're not supposed to preach in this name. They're even taken and they're beaten for what they believe. And you know what they did? They went on rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be beaten for the Lord. Acts chapter 5, verse 40 and following. And so many others. And who can escape the, the picture? The picture in that Philippian jail of those two men, Paul and Silas, bound there as prisoners, singing late into the night and praising God. Acts 16. Not all times are going to be good times. Being thankful that even in challenging times can be tough. But if we view it right and if we see we recognize that what the wise man Solomon says here, that doing what we do, regardless of the circumstances around us, is a gift from God and a blessing. And we need to see. So let me offer to you real quickly, looking and finding reasons to give thanks. If you're struggling like I am with some of these things, let's be reminded that there are still so many good things that are going on today and every day. But just like was, was told in Genesis, because just like was told in Genesis chapter 8 to Noah, as the promise is made from God, the seasons will still come and go. There'll still be seed time and harvest. There'll still be, there'll be seasons in and out. We need to recognize we come and go. We need to recognize that we still have a life in God. No matter what happens to us in this world, we have a life eternal to depart and be with the Lord, Paul says in Philippians 1, 23, to depart and be with the Lord is far better than whatever we find here. And don't miss this, number three. Look around you. Look around you. Take a moment and look around you at the beautiful people in your life. Your families, whether they're present with you or not. If you have to do it, you know, we have to do it on the computer and just see the computer image of people in that way. We, we can FaceTime or whatever we do with them for a little while. And yes, we'd rather be together, but look around you and recognize how blessed we are to have the beautiful, beautiful people in our lives and in the church. Again, Paul writing to the church in Philippi, I give thanks for God with every mention, every thought of you. I'm thankful to God, he says for you. Look around you at the beautiful people in your life. And fourthly, aren't we blessed to live in the time that we do in which we have a means to communicate even when we can't be physically together, there's still people who are able to pick this up, whether they're 
watching right this moment or they'll watch it later in the day, they're still going to tie in and say, there they are. This is my family. We have the means to communicate and get it out there. What if this had happened 100 years ago? What did they do then? How did they communicate then? I think about the Apostle Paul and his situations in life. It took some weeks and months sometimes for, for messages to go a short distance. We still had the means to communicate and let people know what's going on with us and to share things together in the midst of a pandemic. And fifthly, we live in a time in which we have the medical abilities that we have available. Yeah, I might gripe about how slow things seem to be, and that's just not very fair of me, but still it runs through my mind, and my wife has to correct me every now and then. But isn't it marvelous that we live in the time of the medical abilities that we have available and the promise that sets out before us? And yes, sometimes we expect too much of them, just like maybe I am. But I think about that woman who had been to so many doctors, Mark chapter 5, Verse 25, as Jesus on his way to take care of another business, here comes that woman who's had all these problems and she'd been to doctor after doctor, doctor and her case was worse than it was before. Aren't we blessed to live in a time where we have available to us what we have available? And let me remind you one more thing. I don't know whether you're going to have a turkey dinner or a steak on the, on the barbecue or whatever it might be. But I bet you there'll be food on the table. Even if you don't celebrate a big Thanksgiving dinner, there's still food. There'll be food on the table today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Aren't we blessed? These are all reasons to give thanks. Because out of our present challenges, if we're willing, we may find the best treasures of life if we're willing to look. Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials. Because those trials do what? James says they're going to work for your completion, your perfection in Christ. So these challenges, I don't like them. I don't like them. I can complain about them. I can spend all the time I want to about them. But I love the little statement in a poem I've used at funerals that I think was handed to me by my dad a number of years ago. It's a poem called Until I Learned by William Coltman. And the final line of the poem says, We would not long for heaven. If earth held only joy. Friends, we've been spoiled by good times. Maybe it's to our, to our benefit today. I don't like it, but maybe it's to our benefit to face the challenges that are on us at the present. By these, we may see even greater opportunities, greater privileges to give thanks. It is a week that we're reminded of giving thanks. And I hope in some small way I've helped us recognize God has given us a lot for which we can truly give thanks. Thanks be to God, he said there in Romans 7. Thanks be to God. For without him, the song said it, how lost I would be. We're going to sing that song of encouragement that we have this morning. Maybe there is someone who needs to respond even here this very morning. We sometimes sing the old song, all things are ready, come to the feast. Things are in readiness. Things are open for you. It is the blessing of God. We don't close this down with a pandemic. The opportunity of the gospel and the opportunity to turn to God is always open. If someone needs to respond this morning, why don't you do so while we stand, while we sing together.